Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. And so please, like, take a Bible home, make it your own. We're going to be in Psalm 25. We're in a whole, like, series of Psalms, Psalm 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27. They're all Psalms of David. They're all songs of the people of God. These are to be sung, and I could bring Dave back out, and he could play behind this, but I can't sing, so I'm just going to sing it, or just not sing it. I'm going to speak it forcefully over you, Uh, but it does kind of beg a question. If these are the songs of the people of God, and these songs are in every situation of life, the Psalms cover every human emotion from really high heights to really low depths. Anybody ever heard of the imprecatory Psalms? You ever, like, gone through an emo stage? Chad says, no. No, I have not. But have you ever been, like, sad and mad at the same time? Those are the imprecatory psalms where they're singing things to God that are, like, crush our enemies. And there's some heavy stuff in there. But there's also moments where David's going, oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I, I love you, God. And that's one of these. This Psalm 25 is a Psalm of David yelling out to God, God, lead me. God, show me. God, direct me. God, I need you. And so some of you, if I was to ask you, the number one thing I'm asked is, what is God's will for my life? Does he want me to move to Tallahassee or San Diego? And so when we talk about direction of the Lord, some of you are really like, yeah, I need God to lead me. And Psalm 25, I think you need to pray it. I think you need to sing it. I think you need to embody it. And we're going to talk about that. But I think what I'd like you to do, and I know we don't do this a lot, if you would would stand with me as we read the Word of God. This is more of a liturgical thing. We're not Catholic. I know there's a lot of standing up and sitting down today. But it's this idea that God spoke this. And when He speaks, we stand at attention. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who who are wantonly treacherous. Can you say that word? Make me to know your paths, ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. 
The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all his troubles. The word of the Lord. There you go. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know what to do when he says that because we don't come from those church backgrounds. This is the word of God from a man called a man after his own heart. And he's, you hear the crying out. You hear him going, God, lead me. God, direct me. God, show me. And, and for a lot, I'm a, kind of a student of church history, the reform movement, a lot of things. I thought you were coming to do something, John. I was like, I'm about to hand you a mic. Okay, cool. I didn't know. I thought maybe we were doing something, thought we were going to do something prophetic. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> All right. That's okay. John's one of our elders. And when an elder starts walking towards you like this, you're like, he's either about to yank me off stage or he has something from God to say. So when we talk about this psalm, it is a psalm of David. It is an acrostic. It starts with different letters of the Hebrew alphabet. All that stuff's really exciting. But the reality is for the last about 50 years, and even in the early reform movement, you don't find a lot of sermons on how to find the will of God for your life. That's a modern idea. Because the modern Christian believes, well, if I can find out what God wants from me, then I'll be happy. But the reformers knew and the early church knew, if I have God, I have everything I need. Therefore, it doesn't matter where I go or where state I move to. If I have God, I am satisfied and it'll make those decisions a heck of a lot easier. So in the modern era, you have these conferences and there's always one breakout sessions. It's always like the will of God for my life, how to find it. And it's always packed. We are like infatuated with this idea that if I find the right recipe of where to move and what to do, then my business will be successful. I'll be healthy. My kids will be happy. They'll never cuss. They'll have a white picket fence and a nice house. We're, I, but then really what I think God's bringing us back to is the same thing David says. Like, in you and you alone, Lord, is my heart satisfied. And so this psalmist, I think he's challenging some of us because I don't think today is so much like, here's the recipe to find out what God's will is. I think the question of this psalm is, are you the type of man or woman that God leads? Are you the type of man or woman that he can lead? Now, I wanted to use a lot of donkey references in this sermon because they have another name that I can't say in church. You know what that is? Don't say it. You're in church. But a lot of times we're like, God, lead me, show me. And then he does and we go, but I did, I'm not like that. I wanted, I wanted that. And so we're like a donkey or a mule who's stubborn, pulling against the reins of the leadership of the Lord. And the reality is he has shown us a whole heck of a lot of what he likes and doesn't like. And some of us right now today, it's not so much like I can tell you, you should move to Albuquerque, but I should tell you that the word of the Lord says some things that many of us in this room aren't living. Therefore, we're a little bit like a stubborn mule or a, another word, can't say in church, and stop pulling against the reins. 
are you the type of man or woman that gladly follows the Lord? And so David's going to highlight some things, and I'll try to pick them out. But if we have God, we have everything we need. He says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. And when the Jews talk about their soul, they're talking about the connecting point between your emotions and your, your will and your thought. It's like, all of me, God, I lift it to you. You're where my hope is. You're where my trust is. If this doesn't pan out, I'm going to be put to shame. And so the man or woman of God, step one, who is led by the Lord, has that heart posture. That's not about words. It's not how loud can you yell, my soul is yours. It's, is that truly the posture of your heart, man or woman of God? And the posture of the heart, it, it's different than outward, outward appearances. So David says, Lord, the cry of my heart is that you would teach me and lead me and mold me and make me, but I want you. So I lift all the, my whole being, I lift it to you. Do what you want with it. Do you know what a scary prayer is? That one. Here's all of me. Do whatever you want with it. So he might say, I want you to suffer for my namesake. You prayed the prayer though. Do whatever you want with it. He might want you to be successful in business. Do whatever you want with it. He might want you not to be successful in business because it will rob you of your soul. Do whatever you want with it. This is the heart cry of the people of God. We want God. We want his ways. And the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of the earth. It's an upside down one where the greatest are the least. And if you want to be great, you wash feet. And when people hit you on this side of the cheek, what do you do? You turn this one. You know what a hard teaching is? That. You're walking down the street. Someone's like, what do you do? Men in America, what do you do? Second Amendment is what you do. That's not the gospel of Jesus. That's not, that's American Christianity, but that's not Bible. And so there's this rub right now because I feel all of us in this room, if I was like, do you want to know what God's will for your life? Everybody in the room's like, yes, please, yes, please, yes, please. tell me. But then there's this part of us as humans who are like, but do I really? Do I really want to be led? And will I go wherever he wants me to go? And it won't always be health and wealth and goodness. It might be valleys and suffering, but he'll be there. He cries out, Lord, I'm lifting my soul. And then he says, indeed, none who wait for you. You know, it's hard to teach American Christians waiting. Because most often we go, God, lead me, show me, make me known. I'm going to get, okay, God, lead me. You got, you got 30 seconds. And then we don't get whatever we think we need or deserve. And then we're like, well, I'll go do it myself. And now we might not say it that way. We'll just put a Christian title on it. So we'll say Christian plumbing service, but we're really just running our business how we want. We're really just doing our life how we want. It's just like got Christian names on it. Any ever been to Berean Bible Bookstore? I don't think it exists anymore. Maybe it does. And I always said every time I was there, I was amazed at how many items they had made Christian. Like everything, they, they, okay, so at the register, you know, they do like normal things. They actually have mints. Do you know this? That are Christian. They're called testaments. 
testa mints, right? So now, not only my, my mints are Christian, right? And my breath is holy. I mean, like, and this is where when we talk about the ways of the Lord and being led by God, it's not the same thing. I can go out into all the world and I could put Christian on the shirt collar and I can put Christian on my mints and I can put Christian on my coffee and I can put Christian on my business. But you know what makes my business a Christian business is the man running it serves God and him alone. And when he says, I want your business, I say, yes. That's what makes it Christian. This is the rub of like, I don't just want his name. I want his presence and I want his ways and I want his goodness and I want him. Those who wait for the Lord will not be put to shame. Anybody in here ever, some of you have been praying things for like 17 years. You're like, I'm waiting. Good. Don't grow weary in waiting. Do not grow weary in waiting. God has not given up on you. Sometimes we're praying for kids for what feels like forever and they're just over there being rockheads. Anybody? Yeah. My grandpa said, yeah, your mother. Um, just kidding. My mother, yeah. ADD just kicked in hard. But waiting is one of those postures of the heart, which goes, not only am I gonna cry out that you would lead me, Lord, I'm gonna wait until you do. I don't want whatever's on the other side of not waiting for you. Because everybody in here, you can make the stuff happen. You can make the business happen and make the house go around. You can do all the things. You can even put Christian titles on them. But God is the source of real life. And so as we're here this morning, I, I think the first thing that I would notice is when a man or a woman is led by God, the very first thing they do, they take their whole being and they really set it before God and whatever he wants, he gets. That's statement number one for how do I know if I'm a man or woman that's led by God? Does he get your yes? He follows that up with, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. They have been from of old. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. The cry of the heart of a man or woman of God is, teach me, show me, make me know. Do you see how many times he says that in that psalm? David's going, God, not only teach me it, but lead me in it. And not only lead me and teach me, make me know it. Put it down deep in there. So some of you, you know what your problem is? You've never asked God to lead you. You asked him to save you. You didn't ask him to lead you. And so if you're not being led by God, number one is ask him and make it a plea of your heart. God, I want to know your ways. I want to be led by you. I cry out. That's a heart posture as well. Stubborn donkeys don't ask for advice. But a humble sheep do. Ask him, God, lead me. God, make me know your ways. God, show me. God, please lead me. I have never known a dad on the earth when their kid's pleading, God, like, Father, tell me what to do. The dad's like, tough luck. Maybe a bad dad. Maybe you're like, you met my dad, but I've met my father in heaven and he's really good. And when his kids cry out, lead me, you know what he does? He leads them. 
When they go, make me know your past, he does. He's not hiding and he's not vindictive. He follows that up with good and upright is the Lord. That's a true statement. You know that, right? Like good and upright is the Lord. And he follows that up with a therefore. Good and upright is the Lord. And good is like the very definition of good is our God. All the goodness is there. He is good. He is upright. He is pure. He is holy. There's no wrong in him. He's not bent in any way. He's pure, holy, and good. Therefore, out of that goodness, what does he do? And so some of you, God is being gracious to you even though you're being stubborn. You know that, right? Like some of you have been fighting and pulling against the reins. You're a stubborn mule in the analogy we're gonna carry all day. And God, because he is upright and good, he leads you. But you know how better life is when you're like, the Lord's like, let's go this way. And you're like, let's go. Instead of, I don't want to. There's an ease to following Jesus. There's a life eternal. There's a life to the full that Jesus promised. Are you crying out for wisdom from God? Some of you, you're like, I tried it once. It didn't work out too well. I would encourage you by the word of God to return to crying out for wisdom. What kind of man or woman does God lead? Number one, leads leads their whole soul to God and lays it before him. Do what you want. Number two, actually cries out for it. You do not have because you do not ask. But he says one final thing. He leads and he teaches the, ooh, the humble. Are you humble? And if you say yes, you're not. Just kidding. That's a that's, that's, that's a really tricky thing to be like, I am the most humble man on the planet, right? But I think you could do, you could test this a couple ways. I think you, if you're married, just go ask your wife. Wives, be nice, but like tell them. The humble, the humble, like humility is a quality of the kingdom of God. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know that, right? So when the word says oppose, like if I stood here and was like, I oppose you, I'm pushing against you, I'm pulling away from you, I don't want you around. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so as we talk about, well, he leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. Why? Because it takes humility to bend your knee to God. Not, God, I want my way. I just want your blessing on my way. No, God, I want your way because I want you. And so humility is one of those things in American Christianity that so often it can go to the wayside because we bring in these ideals of our world. A humility that's going, all right, God, I want to walk with you even if the world hates me. He's gonna follow this up in verse 12. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. 
So this is your third kind of category of a man or woman that God leads, the one that fears God. The one that fears God and is a friend of the Lord. That concept though, we've been trying to deconstruct that here at this church, the friendship of God. Did you know that you can be friends with God? If you're anything like me, when you were growing up, did people tell you to fear God, serve God, obey God? Is that you, is that your, their background? And then we said, does anybody ever told you enjoy God? Be friends with God, walk with God. See, there's a difference there. And he says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. So this idea of fear, we get it wrong. It's not just simple respect. Because when you study, like I, I've been studying revivals and moves of God, and I'm like, God, do it again. But like, you start looking at some revivals and everyone thinks that revivals are all just, you know, manifestations and people fall on the ground. And sometimes it can be. The human body really can't handle God's presence that well. So it freaks out. But there's one in particular where a minister was telling a story. He said, he was in a small Chinese church and he just said, God, bring, bring your glory and your fear here. And he's telling this story and he said it was like a wind came in and everybody in the room started screaming in abject terror. Like, ah! Then started weeping and then started confessing all of their sins because a holy God who is to be feared entered the room. That is a type of fear that we should all be aware of exists. Every prophet that has ever seen God in a vision or elsewise has fallen on the ground and gone, woe is me. God is beautifully holy, other and different categorically in every way. If he showed up in this room, we would all go, I'm unclean. I am not well. I am not holy. You are holy. And the reality is there is a fear that we need to return to because I don't know if you know this, but biblically, every person in this room, you will stand before God one day. And that sounds like a threat, doesn't it? But it actually should motivate us not to fear people. It should motivate us that God's gonna stand me in front of him one day and he's going, son, why did you say that? And I'll be like, I don't know. I just run my mouth. He's gonna go, I gave you these talents. Why did you bury them? And so as the people of God, there is a fear that is good. Because the whole earth is going to, God, God is really going to come back one day. Jesus is gonna split the sky open on a horse with a tattoo and a sword coming out of his mouth. And he's gonna gather all the nations of the earth and they will bow. That's Bible. And he'll go, what did you do with my son? Did you kneel or did you fight and resist him? And that's, I don't like that motivation. There's not wrath. This is an invitation for the people of God to take seriously the commands of God. Some of us are going, God, lead me while bucking against the reins. God, show me. And he has, and we don't want to. And don't even think like big, powerful things. Guys, like once we said, if you're walking down the street, the Bible says, Jesus says, if they hit you on one cheek, offer them the other. The Bible says, if they ask for one cloak, give them another one. If they ask you to go one mile, go two. And we say, if you inconvenience me or get in my way to my place in my business, I hate you. That's not the way of Jesus. 
The way of Jesus is hard sometimes because it doesn't match the earth. And the earth needs a people that'll go, God, make known your ways to me and I'll walk in them even when they hurt. Like, okay, I'll fine, I'll go there. You look at this stuff in Israel right now, right? And you can feel the indignation and you're like, just nuke them. Do you know that's not the heart of God, right? Do you know biblically, like if someone hits you, and I'm not, I was joking before about the Second Amendment stuff, that's how most of us respond when we get slighted. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my namesake. Blessed are you when people hate you and revile you because of me. This is the way of Jesus. And we're crying out here to be a church that doesn't go with normal American Christianity with it's trying to get power. That's normal Christianity in America. It wants power, it wants place, it wants prestige. And Jesus goes, no, you wanna die. That's how you get into my kingdom. Now you're like, why is he so angry? I'm not, I just feel this thing from God right now that the earth needs Christians that are walking like Jesus, not like the culture. We have to walk like him. And that means sometimes we're gonna walk with a limp, not strong. Sometimes people are gonna wrong me. I've thought about it this way. If someone stormed into my neighborhood and shot up my family, could I bless them? You're like, no, you don't have to because you're an American. They can come for me over my dead body. You know what I mean? I understand the ethos of American culture. It's not the way of Jesus so often. You're like, they'll just walk all over you. Well, hopefully walking over in my dead body, they'll walk to Jesus. Ooh. Do you feel the call of God on your life? It's not, it's not this powerful thing all the time. It's not this way of like, God, tell me to go to San Diego or tell me to go to Tallahassee. It's God, I want to walk with you. And I'll submit my life, even if it costs me everything. The friendship of God, the reality is you can't hold hands with the world and hold hands with God. It doesn't work like that. It's like husbands, if you went home and you went to Wendy's after this, you invited your wife and your girlfriend and tried to hold both their hands, how's that gonna go? We laugh because you're like, not well. Same thing with God. Stop trying to hold and be friends with God and still be friends with the earth. We are other, other now. We're sojourners and wanderers. The teachings of Jesus are pretty clear. The other side of the fear of the Lord is we know how this all ends. You know that, right? We know that the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the earth is going to come back and claim his people to himself. And you know what they'll all gladly do? Kneel. Now, even the enemies and the kings of the earth that rebelled, you know what they'll do? They'll kneel too. But you know what we get to do now? This is the fear of the Lord. It's not just like gentle respect. It's, I submit myself to you, God. I fear God over men. And I do think God is ripping the fear of man out of this church. We've been worried about offending people. We've been worried about being too spiritual. We've been worried about a lot of things. And God's like, I think I'm done with that here. 
We're either going to cry out like David, here's my whole heart and soul, lead me in the way of life and follow, or we're going to be stubborn mules who get chastised at the end of days. He's looking for faithful and obedient sons and daughters. I don't know why all that felt all that, but there you go. He teaches the humble. He leads those that cry out. He's faithful even when we're not. And he follows all that up. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. My, may integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all his troubles. He, he follows it up with two ideas. I take refuge in you. The character, the character trait of the son and daughter of God, of the man or woman of God that is led by God, the number one place. When stuff hits the fan, where do they go? They go to him. When stuff hits the fan of your life, where do you go? And some of you, it's not God. And he's going, I'm a safe place for you. Get under the shadow of my wing. I'll care for you. There's like an onslaught of arrows right now for Christians. And he's like, I'll be a shield for you. They won't hit you. They won't touch you. But most of us are like, well, my refuge is my 401k. No, it's not. Your refuge is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And with him by my right side, whom shall I fear? Though the earth would give way, I will not fear. Because the Lord of heaven and earth is my God. That's the reality we're living in right now. That's what we have at hand. And so King David gives us a way. When stuff hits the fan, where do I run? We do this in premarital counseling all the time. We'll look usually at the female and be like, when stuff goes bad, who do you call? She usually says mom. We're like, you're gonna stop that right now. Not calling mom's not bad, but if you're running to somebody else to fix your husband, that's bad. And if you're running to anybody else or any other thing other than the God of heaven and earth, when stuff goes bad, you're running to the place that's not as sufficient. And then he ends that with one last thing. He says it in the exact same place. He started with it. He ends with it. I wait for you. I wait for you. I wait for you. And I believe this is what differentiated David from so many kings. So just picture you are a king or a queen and there's a foreign army coming, and you don't know what to do. So you go, God, tell us what to do. And then you say, but I'll wait for you. And the army gets closer, closer. He said, I was waiting. I still am. But I'd really, can you tell me what? The army gets closer and closer and closer. I'm really trying to wait. But before long, do you see the dilemma of our age? The world's moving so fast right now. It would love to pull you into the ripstream of all its crazies. It's churning itself up unto death. We are not churning ourselves up to death because we are not afraid and we know how the whole story ends, guys. What we're doing is waiting on the Lord who said, those who wait on me will never be put to shame. So what type of man or woman are you? Are you the type that God leads? Are you like me sometimes, a stubborn mule? Are you asking for him to lead you? And then are you willing 
for him to do so. There's a difference. Asking and being willing are worlds apart. Are you a humble man or woman? Are you committed to the commands of the Lord that you already know? Bless those who curse you. So next time someone curses you, bless them and watch them hate it. You ever had somebody just start, maybe you don't have these experiences, cuss at you or call you a bigot or be like, can't believe you dumb Christians. And you go, I love you so much. They're like, what? Be Jesus's people out there. Follow his commands out there. And really what I'd like to land today is giving room for the Holy Spirit to kind of maybe highlight some places in our hearts that we need to come back into. Okay, God, I'll follow you even here. What if you don't get what you want, but you get him? What if your business doesn't grow? Why did you come to God? To get something or to get him? And so if you could take a posture of prayer, just kind of like where we kind of started in prayer today of just you and Jesus. Don't worry about anything else. And the band's going to come back up and we're going to worship in response to the word of God. So, Father, we give you our whole attention right now. We have heard your word. And you're the only source of living water, and you're the only source of bread. So will you just, as gently as possible, Holy Spirit, would you come minister to the sons and daughters of God? Will you begin to reveal places in our hearts where we've been less than humble? where we've kicked against the, against the reins, where we begin to pull back against your leadership. Our first cry, Lord, is to you, O oh Lord, we lift up our soul. We lift up all that we are. And church, I can't do that for you. I could do that for me. But you have to decide this day. Will you give God everything? Will you trust him with all the stuff? And then you tell them, Lord, I give you all of me. I lift up to you my whole soul and being. And so, Father, Abba, will you lead us? Would you make us know your ways? We want to know you. We want to follow you. But so often we trip ourselves up. Would you help us? thank you for this people in this room this is your church this isn't ours this is yours would you right now father begin to draw them to yourself and where we're afraid to trust you i thank you that you're not hitting us for that but you are inviting us you are worthy of all things our lord and god if I spoke harshly, will you remove those words? But will you 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to draw the fear of man out of this body. Break the spirit of the fear of man, and may the Spirit of the Lord reign. That we could truly say as a people, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea, I will not fear. I will not be afraid, for the Lord is at my right hand. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of persecution. We don't have to be afraid of being slighted or overlooked. We only want your approval, the King of heaven and earth. So, Father, I ask that you would bring to mind any place right now in each of these people. And if God starts to prick your heart a little bit, it's usually because he's inviting you to do something. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.